0: welcome to the podcast everybody i'm here with a special guest tommy from detroit nutrient company uh we met last year i was on a quest to find some living soil and just happened to have a local store said hey this guy just stopped in with a couple bags of soil and uh we need somebody to test it out and i was like well hell yeah give it to me so I took it home. There was a number on the back of the bag, and it said, call for more information. And Tommy answered, and we started talking, and he ran me through the spiel of Living Soil and why his product was water-only and the true first and only water-only, I believe. And uh, he came out to Colorado. We went to a shop. I heard his spiel, and I was hooked. So I brought him on the show, and I wanted to uh, have him explain because he was the best person at, at, explaining why living soil was superior. And, uh, first I want to let these people out here know what got you into cannabis, Tommy, why did you start consuming? We had some things in common where we both drank in the past, but we don't anymore. And, uh, we compared life consuming cannabis to drinking and found out that it was, uh, a lot more positive, optimistic in my point of view. When i smoke compared to drinking um so when did you actually get into cannabis and you are from detroit area or michigan or upstate new york or uh
1: michigan correct yeah so i gotta ask you a question are you supposed to be appearing and disappearing uh it's when i back out Ah. you can can see my logo ah all right so that's how it's supposed to look it's not it's not 100 supposed to be like that but i like the way it works out all right um (laughs) So, yeah, I was uh, born and raised here in Detroit, Michigan. That's where I'm sitting right now. I own a farm in northern Michigan. Um, I spend in the summertime and and, uh, and I'm a sportsman as well. So I spend a lot of time in northern Michigan. I farm up there when I can get away. Um, but uh, for the most part, um, born here in Detroit, right in the city of Detroit, raised in the city of Detroit. And uh, that's where my, uh, my journey with cannabis started. Um, so... I, uh, I um, started out when I was probably, I would say I was 12 years old the first time, which listen, I'm telling you my story. It's not maybe what I recommend, right? Yeah, mine I, either. I, I tell you, I, don't follow me. Yeah, You won't it's make a, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long, strange trip for me. And, and so I'm not encouraging young people to do anything. Um, but uh, but yeah, I started out when I was about 12 years old. Uh, I've got older siblings; I have two older sisters, and and so um, so I was introduced to uh, actually, if I remember correctly, I think uh, the old method of smoking hash uh, where you put a little on the pin through a piece of cardboard, you know, set it on fire, and then you put the cup over it, let the mm-hmm. smoke build up, and I, I believe that was maybe my first, um, experience with cannabis and then, uh, and then smoking joints with the older kids watching the Simpsons. Like, I mean, that was a huge thing. What That was, uh, maybe 87, 88 when that started going on. And, uh, and then, um, I was, uh, like everybody else, a little, um, you know, hustler, on the street with, with cannabis and and some of my older friends and uh and then um and later on in life i got into um kind of the bar industry uh and i had a, a parallel relationship with cannabis as well but alcohol really became my go-to drug of choice at you know when I was in my late teens and early 20s like most kids because there was no because there was uh there was definitely a um what do you call that you you know there was the image that went along with weed and it wasn't accessible and you had to chase it down you go you know with a fake ID you go to the liquor store and uh when I was about um 15. 16 i got robbed at gunpoint on a weed deal you know and so it dissuaded me the the nature of it the way that we went about getting it the criminal element especially detroit at the time was a rough city it was a really rough rough town back then i mean i don't know for people that aren't older it was the murder capital of the world multiple years in a row and it was it was just riddled with crime back then and uh and so it was hard. You know, you had to deal with just straight up thugs to get weed. And, you know, was, you're getting Mexican brick weed, you know, and uh, the quality wasn't there Or when you found good quality it was really expensive. So um, so I went, you know, going through all that and then the easy accessibility to alcohol and being in the bar business. Um, my relationship with alcohol turned pretty toxic pretty, pretty quickly. I had a series of uh, setbacks in my life that led me to overconsume, and I did some damage to myself and uh, uh, physically and emotionally um, because because of my relationship with alcohol. And uh, so after, you know, 25 years of that, I had to end my relationship with alcohol and uh, which was very difficult at the time. Um, you know, anybody that's ever been addicted to it and the way that I was, you, you understand, I mean, it's life-threatening when you're an alcoholic to, to, to stop. So kind of the, when you're coming out of it, there's like a lot of sweating and shaking and uncomfortableness. And, um, and I was able to then lean back on my very old friend cannabis to help me kind of, uh, to help get me across some of the, those rough patches. I mean, honestly, I, you know, and I don't, I can't stand that marijuana has been overbilled as a miracle drug, you know? And I don't recommend training or trading one addiction for the other, but I can say when you, um, when you have that level of anxiety and, and mental discomfort when you're exiting a relationship with alcohol, especially, um, marijuana helped kind of soothe some of that it helped kind of put the shakes to rest and kept me eating and and kept me you know um it kept me off the edge i mean i i I lost you know you lose your identity after an addiction and it's really overwhelming and so um i was able to utilize cannabis even more at the end of my relationship with alcohol to kind of offset some of that daily confusion and anxiousness about the change in my life. And um and I know I know you and I have spoken at length about this in uh you know I person and multiple times. And uh it was rough, you know, it was really hard and, and cannabis and again I'm not trying to book cannabis as a miracle drug, but cannabis was able to really help me kind of Get over that hump you know it was i was um i was able to uh oh crap did i lose you there buddy no you're good we're still here all right um i was able to kind of get out of that uh rough patch um with the help of of cannabis it really did a really did me a big solid
0: yeah i was on oh. the same boat it was uh wearing my body down it seemed like a normal thing to do where I was at, uh, daily consumption at a, at the university, came to Colorado, and drinking at the altitude here was really hard on your body. You just can't drink at this altitude, and right. I was living at 10,000 feet, and uh, drinking on a daily there will really tear up your body. Oh, yeah. I was lucky there was good quality cannabis the first time I stopped drinking, and I was able to stop drinking for about five years. And then I moved to Spain and it was really hard for me to get cannabis in Spain. I was relying on uh, pollen hash. They called it there. It really wasn't the good stuff. And smoking just straight hash because I didn't like tobacco. And they would mix it with the tobacco out of a cigarette and smoke that. So after four years of that and dealing with black market there, and I actually was uh, pulled over once by the national police just at a random checkpoint carrying a couple ounces and sweat, sweating bullets. So I was really lucky to get off of that. <clears throat> and uh, so I ended up dr- drinking again over there and then came back to the United States and uh, came back to Colorado because in rural West Virginia, you just couldn't find the good quality cannabis or it was not uh, fit for human consumption and just right. sick when you did consume it instead of making you better so since i've been here i don't i don't even crave alcohol and i find my life is a lot more positive i'm more optimistic uh alcohol is a depressant and can take you to dark places and uh especially if people are mixing those with antidepressants or other medicines they are being prescribed to help them with the depression that alcohol is inducing or making worse um so i'm i'm glad for that myself and i don't recommend people smoking cannabis unless it is something that takes them off of something harder but just going out and and smoking i'm in your same boat it's not a miracle drug but it can help a lot of people
1: yeah i mean uh, so i mean i did physical i have um i didn't know it when i quit drinking i found out later and uh i did physical damage to my liver I have some scarring on my liver because of my relationship with alcohol I was 360 pounds Um, I had sleep apnea because of my size Um, I was uh, leading a sedentary lifestyle because of my relationship with alcohol I um, was And not to, not to rain on anybody's parade or be a bummer. I mean, I literally at one point put a gun in my mouth. I was so depressed. I didn't, alcohol wasn't, I had my problems that I was escaping from alcohol. I'd lost some friends and um, and I was in a hard place and I couldn't get out of it. And I was doubling down on bad behavior, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to on with drinking and and, uh, and it couldn't help me anymore and so i got so i got so depressed that i was um it was dark for me man like that's hard for me to admit you know but i've, I've become better at sharing it because not carrying that load by yourself is makes it easier and 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 i like for people to uh, i like to kind of spread the word on on that alcohol is a depressant and i'm not and i don't think cannabis is a miracle drug at all i think cannabis is really great at a lot of things but it I, it bothers me when people oversell it as the cure for everything it's not the cure for everything i mean ultimately you need to create better habits you should probably you know speak to a therapist or a friend you know about your problems and 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 examine your relationship with other drugs um and in that cannabis can help let off a lot of the stress it it, it it did for me it did you know i don't know that it maybe for it's you know nothing's for everybody but i felt like um i feel like canvas gets a really bad rep for a few reasons and um and one of is it is it doesn't make canvas or, or or alcohol doesn't create a good time where i'm more apt to um be chill when i'm smoking a little weed and be a little cooler and i don't think i was like that i mean you know people liked me when i drank because they were drinking with me but i wasn't as cool i wasn't as in control as i am if i smoke if i smoke a little weed i'm a little funny I'll maybe eat but the downside of smoking weed is that um you you know you might it, it might be a gateway to uh unhealthy food choices so so when they say that cannabis is a gateway drug, it's a gateway to sugar, which is a drug. Like I'm more apt to want a Reese's, uh, candy or, um, you know, that, or, or a cookie or something when I'm a little stoned. Um, but I've never, and and I don't know how you feel about it. I'll tell you how I feel. There, there's a lot about the gateway drug portion of it. So, um, you know, I've done a lot of drugs in my life and I enjoyed them. I liked a lot of the drugs that I did. I've never smoked a, a, a joint. I've ne- Not only have I never smoked a joint and said it myself, I've never had somebody after just smoking a joint look at me and say, we should score an eight ball, right? <laughs> How many times were you sitting in a bar with somebody that normally wouldn't do blow and after they have a couple of shots, they'll say, hey, man, I need a bump. Like, oh, alcohol is the gateway drug. It is, it's, for sure. And the, all the things that they blame on weed, I can say firsthand that that I, I think you're more apt to do that under the influence of alcohol.
0: And, and, so, my, and also, when you're, like, going out just driving, you sit around smoking and be like, oh, let's go out and race. And, uh, and, <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, <laughs> you know? I'm sorry. Yeah, man, I'm high. <laughs> get like you know? 12
0: deep into a 12 pack. Oh shit, I can route race you and you're out there racing on the street. And that it's that's right. just bad news,
1: man. I've seen and, it happen. You know, when you smoke a joint and you're talking to your chick, right? Like I, and I'm sorry, I don't know if that's politically correct, but you're smoking a joint, you're talking to in my case it's a, it's 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 my girlfriend, right? Or your boyfriend, whatever it is. You're when you're you smoke a joint and they say something ridiculous. If you're a little high, you laugh at. It. Like you don't hear of dudes like, "Man, man, I smoke like two joints and then, I don't know, and then I got arrested for domestic violence." I, I mean, I'm not a violent. I'm not a domestic. I don't. Those aren't my issues to begin mm-hmm. with. But I don't know many potheads that have domestic violence situations, unless they're mixing they other. High. Unless they're mixing other
0: things and with the high, yeah, and I think marijuana. Oh, marijuana was in use, and sometimes it mixed with right. other legal drugs, and those are ones that creating it. And
1: right. marijuana the just guy. gets
0: a bad rep.
1: Yeah, high. yeah. So, like usually you're just chill, you know, and and also you know like I am, and and there's a there's this um, there's this taboo with it where people think that it makes you lethargic, right? And so, like I said, when I ran or when I drank, I was three hundred and sixty five pounds. I weigh one hundred and seventy one pounds sitting here today. And I see you run all the time and I run I run five K's ten K's. I'm signing up for a half marathon coming up here and the end of February. I'm I run with my goddaughter, who also is a cannabis. I mean, she's she's twenty eight. (laughs) <laughs> so it's not a little kid, but I run. I you know I run competitively with my goddaughter, who is also a cannabis user, and um, and I would have to say in relationship, you know, as opposed to alcohol, I was much more lethargic when I drank. I was much more sedentary when I drank, and mm-hmm. and I have a little asthma. You know, I have I've been hospitalized for asthma in the past, and and with controlled asthma i can still run and enjoy a joint now and then you know i'm not a i I don't think you should do anything in excess anything you know but i think a a little well used cannabis i mean it helps you with some of the aches and pains after working out it helps you it helps obviously um you know little known fact i don't know how little known but if you, if the cannabinoid level in your system is low, so your cells, when a cell becomes unhealthy, right? It will attach to it's attached to the cell next to it. If your cannabinoid level is low, when you're, when that cell attached to that other, the bad cell, the cell next to it will try to save it. And it will become sick itself. And that multiplied over time becomes a tumor, right? Cancer. That's when your cannabinoid level is low. If you have the proper balance, of cannabinoids in your system, when that sick cell reaches out to the cell next to it, the cell next to it will let it die on its own. It won't try to save it. And so if you look at if you take that knowledge into consideration and then look at the time period that was the prohibition of cannabis in the it really worldwide we always say in the united states but i mean the prohibition of cannabis we set the standard for the for the world right and so when we had this prohibition of cannabis and everybody's cannabinoid levels were low and and I'm not trying to draw connections that aren't there, man. Like, honestly, this isn't some conspiracy sh- theory shit. Yeah. This is legit. Yeah. You can look, look at, at the timeline. At, you can yeah, look at, the, look at the probation of cannabis products and then look at the explosion of cancer and, in the uh, United States.
0: Autoimmune dis- disorders and
1: various that's, others. Parkinson's. And that was, that's because the cannabinoid level in all of us was low. So I use like some CBD in my morning smoothies, right? And then you I smoke a little weed and I'll eat some here and there. You know, I use cannabis based products and some low in a lot of the lotions that I use. A lot of it is even more CBD leaning with some THC. THC kind of unlocks the the healing properties of CBD, but I'll I'll utilize that stuff. and, And I believe that it keeps me on a healthier, a healthier track, you know? And I think I firmly believe it's, it's, it's healthcare is not going to the doctor and getting a pill for something after you're sick of it, after you're sick. Healthcare is preventative measures to not have to go to said doctor to begin with. And so, I mean, I get my yearly checkups. I'm not recommending people turn their back on their doctors, but you should, you know, reach out to doctors. And and I know it's easy for me and you. You're in Denver, I'm in Detroit, right? It's, it's been so legal so long here. When I talk to my doctor about it, my doctor knows it's right on my chart at the University of Michigan. It's on my chart that I use marijuana, and the, and the doctor's cool with it. I think that you should try to shop your doctors and make sure that you find doctors that understand your your beliefs. And you could and and if you if you incorporate cannabis properly into your lifestyle, and I'm not talking about the you know dudes you know, dabbing entire ounces on YouTube, which is fun and cool. And I'm not dogging them either. But I mean, for a healthy lifestyle, if you're active, I work out four to five days a week to try to stay in shape. I run three times a week, right? I'm, and then I run competitively once a month in a five, ten, 10 or a half marathon, right? So in order to maintain that, I can do that with a little bit of weed here and there. You know, when we're at the shows or when I'm with you, maybe a little bit more, you saw me when we were in Denver and you hooked me up with a little bit of that, uh, thousand milligram. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You saw, you saw me high as a kite that afternoon. You know, we had a good, good old time, but, um, it was it was a good day. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, uh, but if you keep it in, if you keep it in, I think I went back to my hotel and went to sleep like right (laughs) after you dropped me off. Um, but if you if you keep it in moderation, I think that it. I honestly, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a mystic, or any of those things. But I honestly, in my it's my belief that alcohol not or that that my relationship with cannabis helped me to, end my relationship with alcohol, which el- my relationship with alcohol would have killed me had I not would have killed me within a year of when I've been sober for 11 years. I'd, I I would have died. Congrats within 12 months had I not quit drinking when I did. And I believe that cannabis has led me down the road to a, a healthier life. I also will say this. I believe that growing cannabis helped. So I had, uh, I was borderline hypertension when I quit drinking, I had high blood pressure and at, around the same time was when I started really getting into indoor growing. And, um, and I found that watching that working with plants helped to lower my blood pressure, which in turn led me to become even healthier and lose more weight. You know, it it was all in it was all part of a bigger picture, but I think that growing cannabis kind of led me to that growing cannabis, led me to growing more plants than just cannabis. And, and I think that growing plants in general is healthy. I think growing and being around cannabis is very healthy i think cannabis consumption is healthy in moderation again there's not no miracle drug if you're depressed you should if you're depressed for one you should exercise more drink more water meditate if those things don't work talk to somebody seek a therapist or or a really close friend that you trust and get your stuff out i i don't think it's the the be-all end-all but i think that cannabis incorporated into your lifestyle leads to a healthier lifestyle. I 100% believe that. Now I'm not preaching it or telling everybody to go do it. But it's my belief. Yeah, it might not work for everybody, but it did work for me also. I, we talked
0: about how the uh the want to grow your own food, grow more plants, grow your own herbs, eat your own food, eat healthier. You said you yeah. get the munchies, but overall we both have started eating better. Healthier foods, mm. more fruits and vegetables, uh, less fried food. Especially if you're in a bar and you're drinking fried foods, the only thing on the menu, you're not going to find out avocado. <laughs> I like find some guacamole dip or something, but you know, yeah. you're not going to get a salad with something healthy out there. Uh, I cook a lot of my own food, mm-hmm. and it it really does getting into the plants, uh, feeding the plants a healthy. You could see a correlation in humans how you? they need the same minerals and vitamins that we need. Uh, the amino acids, the enzymes, it's the root, the same as our stomach. My stomach was really torn up from drinking. So mm-hmm. your stomach is in a bad shape. Your brain's in a bad shape. It help, it's another thing it leads you down a spiral uh, of depression and eating healthier. Probiotics, prebiotics, uh, mushroom supplements, mm-hmm. those help. Rebuild your stomach. Those are like your roots. Mm-hmm. Bigger, bigger tops on your buds, up, stronger head on your body. There's a right. direct correlation with eating and prevention and staying healthy before <laughs> the illness takes place. I find a lot of Americans are looking for that quick fix. Oh man, my liver's going bad. I could just take a pill for that. But then that pill causes another pill or another anxiety or another problem, but speaking to other people about the same thing. Oh, it's the paradox of our parents.
1: You know, it was unhealthy diet, unhealthy, like the things they trusted the law. The food has totally changed from the pro
0: or the pre prohibition days until now there were so many like 50 to
1: 75% of people in America grew their own food. Then mm-hmm. now and there's it's, less, it's all there's more, there's more products in a grocery store. There's less food. So yep. there's more food products, but there's less varieties of actual food. Well, I've gotten to
0: see this in different countries too. I've traveled to Spain. I would spend months in Peru. I've spent uh, time in Canada. And one of my favorite things is going to the grocery store, you know, Mm -hmm. and look down the aisles. And you see here in America, one whole aisle is dedicated to potato chips and sodas. And then if you go to Peru, they have a whole aisle of
1: just raw potatoes, Mm -hmm. 300 varieties of potatoes itself, natural. Right. 32 in in, uh, Cohocte, Mexico, 32 different varieties of maize. Yep. And here in America, we have number two corn.
0: And it's all GMO free. It's all organic in Spain. They would not take on GMOs. They have uh, anti pesticide laws and anti herbicide laws that are a lot stronger than America, Canada, too. And uh, it's crazy how little variety we have available to us here in the United States.
1: If you ever want to get down a wormhole, read every book Michael Pollan has ever written, I've read one or two. I like like his writings. Michael Pollan has never written a bad book. He's super objective. Um, he tries not to pick a side. Um, my first introduction to him, I mean, you, you know, you know this about me, but, uh, you know, I am a big fan of, uh, psilocybin and dimethyltryptamine. I think. I, we could have an entire podcast on that. that's the next right? one i was going
0: to end off with that one after we talk about candidates i'll bring you back to the mushrooms since they just yeah. legalized that here in colorado
1: and uh it's a it's a, a hot it's, topic it's a deep is they're decriminalized psilocybin is decriminalized here and uh actually psilocybin and DMT are decriminalized here they
0: just legalized small. it here it was decriminalized now it's legalized here so i don't know team? what the futures are going to happen here right it's going to blow up right <laughs> but hey um we are going to have to take a little break here because we're running around out of time on this uh, little Zoom spot, I have to uh, take a little break and call you back. But we're going right. to go into how you like to study, because I know you're really a, a bookworm when it comes to living soils and mushrooms, and you really know your knowledge and you study it. So I want to talk to you about what got you into creating your own living soil, why it's superior compared to some super soils, uh, maybe even see how the mushrooms work into that. (laughs) You could put that into your soil somehow and then uh, we'll take a break and then we'll come back and talk about some other things in the cannabis industry that are hot topics right now. I love it. Cool, man. All right. Thanks Tommy for sharing all that with us and I'll be right back folks. Thanks for tuning in. Do you have a business with a product or service that you would like to advertise? Now you are able to hear on reefer the reefer, the podcast. These ad slots will be limited to products that we endorse here on Refer the Reefer and would be a great opportunity for exposure at a cheaper rate due to the fact the podcast is still new. So in the future, when new listeners tune in, they will hear about your products and service and they will be assured that it is a good product that we endorse here on Reefer the Reefer and use it ourselves. Contact Little Farmer on his website or send an email to littlefarmer at outlook.com for more information. And now back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm back again with Tommy from Detroit Nutrient Company, water-only living soil. And uh, I wanted to jump back into our earlier conversation real quick because I forgot to mention we ran out of time. More of a little time frame with the Zoom. <laughs> it's only 40-minute parts. Uh they're fighting after drinking. I was just watching the news this morning and uh, some they were showing some videos of the World Cup and there were some bars all lined up on both sides of the street and it looked like these hooligans are out there, lined up playing Red Rover running across the street, punching each other, hitting each other with chairs, and then running back to their side. and it just it was like 20 groups of them just going at it for like a half an hour, beating the shit out of each other right have you ever seen that happen on cannabis go out to a spot where everybody's smoking can you imagine just seeing everybody
1: just started fighting i have so i'm always careful about this one time i saw uh two old guys at a marijuana event get into a fight but they were like like these were like silver-haired guys and it was some personal stuff from like 30 years ago they hadn't seen each other other than that i've been how many cannabis cups have you gone to how many cannabis events have you gone to and there's never a kerfuffle. You, you know, like there's never a problem at cannabis events. It's amazing to me, except for this one. And it just so happened this fight took place, and it ended on my table and broke the table. I was displaying my products in half. But, um, but aside from that, I've never seen. You just don't see it. You don't see the hey man bumped into me. You're looking at my girl kind of stuff at cannabis events. It, you, you just don't see it. And and yeah, so you, you, you it's, it's, it doesn't breed the trouble that that alcohol breeds. I yeah. mean, it, you know, I'm not beating up on people that drink or whatever. I'm not one of those people. But he's that's their right. own. But but he, I mean, honestly, if you if you if you've ever just smoked weed and then if you drank, you understand the difference. You know, that's not there's no argument to that. You are much less apt to get yourself into a bad situation if you're just a little high
0: and the next day you almost always remember what you did Mm -hmm. after drinking i don't know how many times i've come home i was never a violent drunk but i would come home and i lived the university i was on was on a hill so i would take my dog out three or four o'clock in the morning end up falling down drunk come back the next day wake up my shoulder sore like why am i shoulder so sore just don't remember it you know yeah. People yeah. get in fights. Uh couples arguing don't
1: remember a thing. That that following morning anxiety. So like what I do last night. What yeah. happened? Well, you just wake up with anxiety after you've been drinking. And if and and, and cannabis, you don't you be high as hell, you don't wake up and go, Oh, what did I say last night? Because whatever you said was ridiculous. You no, know, you probably
0: sometimes overthought what you said or you yeah. were trying to speak your thoughts like uh, some, you're, some yeah, you didn't you're, really want people to hear, but yeah. you were thinking of it. It just slipped
1: out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have a tendency. I mean, I do have a t- bit of a tendency to overthink things a little bit when I'm stoned, but, um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, I don't, that's not my go-to. Uh, my go-to isn't to run my mouth and say stupid things or get myself into trouble. And then like you said, i remember it um i remember what i said the next day and i'd normally have much more uh meaningful conversations Mm. i went to i went to a party with a bunch of guys um some hawthorne sales reps were there my web developer was there um and like some mammoth p reps were there and some guys that run some commercial cultivations here in michigan like it was a good group of industry insiders that were there that evening and uh and i ended up sitting in this like we were downstairs some people were playing pool we had this kind of thanksgiving meal amongst friends my friend casey throws this party and um and I and we had the quintessential stoner uh, i was with a guy named john burns and uh or not john Bur- i'm sorry with this guy nat and and he works in the industry and we were all just blown out after a bunch of blunts and a big meal and we had this quintessential stoner conversation. There was a couple other girls involved and uh we hit all the you know, we talked about like conspiracy theory like music, conspiracy theories, like food, health, you know, like all the quintessential things you like to talk about when you're high. We have the origins of
0: stories. earth and religion and nobody started fighting yeah. with each other.
1: It was um, beautiful. It was. It was a. It was amazing. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I love um, those.
0: I love those days. Those conversations and those type of people to hang out with instead of drunk and the conversations or complaining about everything instead of oh, trying yeah, to yeah. figure out how
1: to fix a problem. Yeah, never. Yeah, never fixing anything. Just bitch okay. about. It. Bitching about it (laughs) cool i want to
0: ask you what actually got you into living soil creating your own living soil i'm sure you tried a bunch of different techniques in your day i've tried a bunch of them too and what led you down this path so
1: um i won okay so years ago (coughs) i grew um indoors using liquid nutrients when I first began, right? And um, I started talking to some guys that had been outdoor gorilla growers for a long time. And they've been doing that since since Vietnam. Right. And so they introduced me to living soil because when you were gorilla growing before it was legal, Uh, here in Michigan you know you go put your plants out in the woods and then you didn't want to be going the the, the way you get busted is the is the stamping down the trail out to your plants you know the more time you spend around your plant the more apt you are to get yourself into trouble and draw attention to it so you want to make the least number of trips to the woods so you're obviously not going to use cocoa and salt-based nutrients right The, the the best way And also, you're transporting everything out there, so you don't want to be transporting bottles of nutrients and everything else. So, if you could just take some water out there or get some water nearby, you know, you put them on the edge of swamps, you could keep them pretty much moist by wicking through wicking up the moisture. Um, Living soil, you didn't have to keep going back out there. And so, these guys have been growing in living soil forever, and so they 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 introduced me to it. And they recommended uh, a book by the Rev. And now there's a 2.0 of the book, but at the time, it was a 1.0 the Rev's true living organics. Um, they gave me some recipes and introduced me to the places where I could source the materials here in Michigan, right? Uh, in the same time frame, I was ending my relationship with alcohol and getting out of the bar business. And um and i had to change my careers and so an old friend of mine that used to score some weed from me in the bar business uh called me up and he said hey i know you're looking for a new gig i have 70 tons of worm castings that i will front you essentially he didn't use the word front but essentially how it worked was they fronted me the money to buy the bags to sell the worm castings and the worm castings if I formulated a way to sell them. And and so this was early on in the legalization phases of marijuana across the country. And so, um, so I went and, and uh, they asked me to write a pro forma. And I said, no problem. And I came home and I looked up what a pro forma was. And I wrote a business plan for how it was intended to sell these worm castings by just calling the guy that I bought my gear from here at ultra green hydroponics how many bags of worm castings you sell a month at the time he sold one a day he said on average and i multiplied that across the 225 hydro stores and I, so i came up with what i thought i could potentially sell and uh so i started selling worm castings and i was working with a breeder called idk farms based out of Kinkai, michigan these guys were also organic growers that also grew in living soil And, uh, and we started running their genetics and using different blends of living soil. And we, I was giving them worm castings for the living soil and they were giving me genetics. And, um, I entered a cannabis cup with IDK farms and using what was the original incarnation of great lakes, water only we and we won a cannabis cup. But I was only selling worm castings at the time. I was using living soil to grow, selling worm castings. And uh, so we won a canvas cup and everybody was on me on how, what we did, Yeah, you know, how you won the, how'd you win the cup, how'd you win the cup? Because subsequently we broke a record with high times as well. And so it was, you know, how'd you win a cup? How'd you win the cup? It was like, oh, we are just using soil. And nobody believed in, nobody believed in living soil at the time. So. So a handful of people that were using my soil to make there were people that were using my soils to make actively organic compost or actively aerated compost teas and and building soil with it or putting it in their planting holes, you know, in their salt based runs. All the guys that were building soils using my castings were raving about them, and they were all following kind of the Rev um true living organic method. And So I had people starting to ask me for the, for the, for the recipe that we won the cup with, you know, everybody, people were starting just very only like super hip dudes were running living soil back then. Like for the most part, it was frowned upon. So I took some money that, uh, that I had, and, um, it wasn't a lot. And I made my first two skids of great lakes water on living soil. I had built, been building it in a compost mixer in my garage and we I was taking burlap sacks and I made a stencil out of one of my posters and we spray painted the logo on the burlap sacks and I took it to a couple of stores that were hip on organics but nobody was doing that at the time I mean it, it, at the time advanced nutrients owned cannabis right like you you like people it, they they thought you were crazy so you had to go to people that understood farming. So really, we were starting out in kind of rural areas outside of the city. It was not popular here in Detroit at the time. And uh, and so I was taking these burlap sacks out to people. And like people were running it and having great results and super happy. And so um, I had the first two skids made when I inherited a little bit of money. It was like, I don't know, 1500 bucks I got or something. I stretched it into two skids of soil. In white plastic bags, we didn't have labeled bags or anything. And I took it to this huge conference here in Detroit, and, I, and 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 I had and I had some bags there, and I was selling some of them. And all these guys that were using my castings to build their own soil, they were coming over. They were going, "Oh yeah, you know." I go, "Hey, you should try the living soil." "Oh no, I make my own." They they said, and I so to like it was like tw- maybe like fifteen dudes. I said, "Well, here, just take a bag in case you have a problem with your soil." And you know, in the turning and composting and the making of living soil, as you well know, uh, there's many mistakes to be, to be made if, if you don't do it well. And so these guys over time would needed some soil, and they would use my soil to see. And so over the course of a couple of years, was all those guys ended up turning into my customers that were building their own soil. But we we gave it away, and we were beating the doors down on stores, and and every and a lot of the growth stores were poo pooing it. Because you, because if you sell somebody some cocoa or some pro, soilless medium and, you know, uh, ABC line, you know, they're going to come back for all the extra parts and they're going to have deficiencies. You, you sell them way, you make way more money on liquid nutrients than you do on living soil. And, every, and they were worried if I sell them living soil and all they have to do is water it, they're not going to come back for three months. You know, we're not going to see them again. Is that we couldn't get anybody to even stock it back then. I mean, we had to fight. So we, I, I, we went, I, I incorporated the help. I I finally started to sell some to some local outlaws here at the time. It was all gray market. There was no legal dispensaries I mean, you know, you're, from, you know how this goes. Mm -hmm. And so some of the big, a couple of really big outlaws here in Detroit, is that they got they started it and they realized they didn't have to pay dudes to make new nu- mixed nutrients and go be a 100 times a day and all this other stuff and so we got some guys to use it and i made enough money to where i brought in uh a few more agronomists and i brought in a doctor um that specializes in drainage and aeration. and so we made what i thought and what i believe today is the best potting mix of soil because it has the drainage and we and but it maintains the CEC value, so we created a soil with the help of all these people, these old farmers from northern Michigan that had been growing since Nam this way, and then we brought in some guys, some local guys that that do the mixing, and you know the help of the bagging people to help get it, so we could sell, you know, get it out. We brought in all these people. We created what I believe is the perfect mix of soil and it's all based on that first cannabis cup win you know we just made it so it was more user-friendly living soil as you know is uh moisture retentive so there's a learning curve when you come off soil as mediums and if and we we got it as light as we could we took out perlite because you know perlite floats up and in a lot of applications if you're trying to do no-till so there's still some perlite in it but we've traded a lot of that out for cocoa and brown bark and stuff like that And it maintains that, it maintains that, the, the balance. So it can go start to finish as long as you use some pot size properly. And we incorporated dolomite lime so people don't even have to pH their soil. I wanted to make it, I mean, to me, a lot of the people that I'm friends with, these guys are old dudes and they'll just grow themselves their own weed, but they don't need it. They they, they don't want you, they don't want it to be complicated. They want it to be simple. I just want to water the goddamn thing. And so, So we made it. So we made a soil that people can honestly water from start to finish. And then we kept on going back and entering cups. And we, uh, we were on the strongest strains in the universe with high time six times after that. And we were winning regional cup after regional cup and and the word started to spread. And I started selling it online and I was selling it at farm markets and I was selling it at events. So people could get it. So they finally, you know, started beating down the or the hydro store saying, listen, man, this is what I use. You should get it. I'll buy it here. You know? So we were able then to get into the hydro stores and, uh, and, and get the product out and get knowledge out. And then over time now there's, you know, people, people saw the hustle in salt-based nutrients, you know, and they, they kind of leaned back to organics. It's an organic plant. Why do we want to? Like this is a healthy plant. I think people are a little more health conscious now, and mm-hmm. you know, especially home growers. And so people are leaning back that direction. And 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 so it was easier than over time now to get people to carry it. You know, now every lawn and garden center's got it. But at, at one time they had people on those salt-based nutrients, they didn't want to ruin that bottled water money. You know, thank god for Amazon, because Amazon killed a margin on liquid nutrients. <laughs> and i mean it hurt a lot of growth stores because they've been making you know so much such a margin on it but it really you know there's a lot of money yeah i uh, i'm not talking disparagingly about any other style of growing but people saw the logic in just running a, a, a true living soil and then having an organic product that you don't have to flush out at the end that has all the pheno characteristics, all the flavor profile that the plant is supposed to have. It's not over manipulated. You're not in charge of its entire life. You're not chasing down deficiencies or anything like that. You just have to go in, water the plant, not too much every few days. Boom. Bob's your uncle. You're done. And
0: you grew quality wheat. Right. Yep. Before I met you and your product, I was using down to earth uh, amendments on top no-till that was just put them all on before i after i transplanted and let it work itself in and do the same thing and it was a learning curve i was i had to deprogram myself in from that npk salt nutrient based uh timing and stuff i wanted <coughs> you to explain to the listeners out there why it is different how you need to only water it why the plant will or extract the correct nutrients at the right time because it has a correlation with nature
1: um so you run through that for me yeah so it's it's an entirely and that's the thing you have to realize (coughs) that um there's more than one way to skin a cat yeah there's there's more than one way to grow a plant and so every plant on the planet i didn't invent living soil it's not some newfangled idea that I just came up with every plant on the planet (coughs) was grown in living soil until 1912 in 1912 the scientists of the world converged together, they realized that we were approaching a billion people population, earth the planet can only organically sustain one billion people so at that point they started looking for other ways to um grow plants they moved away from living soil <coughs> and they started to guan the monitor the guan or mine the guano islands and um look for other places to source nitrogen right and so uh they started that started um that led to the invention of the Uber Bosch machine and the Uber Bosch machine uses pressure and heat to remove. Our atmosphere is made of N three, three mole- or three atoms of, um, nitrogen. If you remove the N three, you can re- remove one nitrogen molecule from that and you c- you can extract it using heat and pressure and you can make synthetic nitrogen by extracting it from the atmosphere. So in 1932, the machine that was invented that did that, um, there were huge battles. The entire First World War was was all about food, all about food. Every World War is really about food, more than anything else. (laughs) And uh, the the first naval battle of um, the First World War was not fought in Europe. It was fought in, off the coast of Chile, at the Guano Islands, because they were trying to get nitrogen from the, the Guano Islands, from the bat guano and the seabird guano, and so it was. There was so much need to feed these troops and these growing populations that they they started overmining the Guano Islands in Chile. The first naval battle of the World War was set there. So, we learned how to manufacture nitrogen from thin air, which gives us the ability to do two things humans like to do: eat and kill each other. Because that's what you make ammunition from, and that's how you grow food. Shortly after that, we moved into the MPK-based nutrients. And all, all they're doing is in a lab, they take down, they break down the macro and micronutrients out of organic amendments, and then they attach them to hard salts, right? And then they put them into this water solution. And as you water your plant, the salts push the macro and micronutrients in through the uh, plant root, which breaks down the plant root and forces the plant to uptake the food that you give it at every stage of its life. So <clears throat> when you break down that plant root, now the plant goes becomes not the person standing in front of the refrigerator, looking for what it wants to eat. It's more of a license, a person on life support. You are the plant, you're forcing the food in. So you, that's why you put the veg, nutrient in you put the bloom nutrient in because you you are in charge of that plant's entire diet the soil the the pro mix or the cocoa or whatever it is that you have your planted is just holding the thing up it's a it's something to pour the, the moisture through right so you can grow plants a little faster but you can grow more plants a year because you can grow them a little faster that way and you don't have to, you don't have to comp like have fields full of compost that you need to make living soils. So that's what how salt-based nutrients work. That's why they were invented. Now, the living soil, you have those same nutrients, but they're not in the macro-micro form, and they're not attached to hard salts. They're in their organic form, and then you have compost in the soil as well. And the compost has microbiology in it, and that microbiology breaks down those amendments. And as it breaks down those amendments, it creates plant available nutrients, right? So you're just moistening the microbes and adding the little water for the plant. You're not dousing your food across the roots. Instead, the plant is sitting in everything it takes to create those nutrients, right? So as the microbes are breaking down the amendments and creating plant available nutrients, the plant uptakes it, photosynthesis occurs. A byproduct of photosynthesis is these natural sugars that are then expelled through the still healthy roots of the plant. When the sugars hit the, nu- the soil, the microbes, sugars are micro multipliers, so those, there's more microbes. You're creating now more plant available food. The plant's able to uptake it at every stage of its development, because as you've left that plant root intact, the plant is taking what it needs. It's not taking whatever you feed it. So that's how, how can something work from clone or seed all the way through bloom? How is that possible? Because you're never forcing anything into it with salts, right? it's like uh, formaldehyde pushes the nicotine through your cell walls into your blood okay that think of the same kind of matrix for what those hard salts do for nutrients is it's pushing it through that plant root in the process it's breaking down the root and so the root isn't able to decide what not to take at that point and so with living soil the plant is deciding what it wants to take it's taking the parts it needs it's it's like when you're if you um, if you ever get on like a whole food diet, if you get away from a lot of processed food, you start to realize your your body will tell you what you need. If you need salt, you'll find something salty. If you need sugars, you'll find. So the plant knows through veg and bloom, it knows what pieces of that soil it needs to pull out. It's been doing this. The marijuana plant's been on the planet for 2 million friggin' years, deciding diesel please it's been deciding what it wants to eat every, it every it's been working this out through natural selection for two million years there is no way we've been synthesizing nutrients since the 1950s there's no way in 70 years they figured out how to put everything the plant really wants so this marijuana plant then can reach down into that soil during veg it knows what it needs it takes it out everything's readily available to it. And then as it goes into bloom it knows what it needs and it starts pulling those parts out and then it's also pulling stored nutrients that it put in its plant leaves out and it's using all that energy to create flowers and pitch which is cannabis oil right so we can collect pollen it's living its plant life the way plants are supposed to live well when you have all those nutrients in their organic form there's all these little tiny pieces and parts that they don't have in liquid nutrients and so When the plant has that all there, it's able to take it because the plant is the plant that's been on the planet for two million years deciding what it needs. So because of that, using living soil, you can go start to finish without hurting the plant because it's not hot, it's not pushing anything in. It's just providing it as opposed to the other matrix of growing, which is salt-based nutrients, where you're forcing the nutrients at the plant, right? So in this organic form, It's just taking what it needs at at every step of the development. That's how it can get all the way through. And then you get those better flavor profiles and the better phenol profiles because there's these little tiny nutrient, micronutrients that are in the soil that just nobody's thought to put in a bottle. So that's why you get that organic flavor. That's why you get that really good smell, that really banging pow. You know, that's how you. Like if you read on Moscow's Raspberry Boogie, it's, it's, it, the inhale is supposed to be piney and the exhale is uh, Captain Crunch Berries. And I swear I was sitting in the very room I'm sitting in right now after I'd done a grow on, like right when that strain came out. And we we smoked it. I grew it in living soil. And when I exhaled it, man, we all sat around. We were like, what is that flavor? We had, we couldn't figure out what that sweet berry flavor was. And so I looked it up and it said, Captain Cruncher, I that's what it was but you get that intense flavor profile because you're not forcing anything on the plant the plant is doing what it has been doing on this planet for two million years it's taking those pieces and parts out right so you get the better flavor profile also you have a healthier plant that's more vigorous against disease and infestation because there's titan and the worm castings is taking on all these different these different substances out of the compost that helps prevent infestation it's not saying it's going to protect your plants from mite. you're not going to have a spider mite free plant but it's going to be less likely to have an infestation you have thicker cell walls you have more vigorous plants and then organically derived nitrogen creates thicker cell walls on plants so you have a more vigorous healthy Disease and insect resistant plant. That is what you get out of living soil. That's the difference. That's how it differs from the salt based nutrients. Now, salt based nutrients. If you need to grow more plants in a year, so if you are running, I mean, we, you and I both know. I have some commercial facilities. Harbor Farms here in Michigan are excellent company that I work with. We got some guys down in Oklahoma. Uh, Tegrity Farms runs our gear, a couple other ones. I mean, we've got dudes that run it, but it's more popular. Um, it's more popular that, uh, they're running rock wool and salt based nutrients because they got to pay for all that money they spent on, on lux lights. They have to, <laughs> Yeah. they have is, to, that is a common trend with commercial grows. It's a uh, salt based rock wool salt based rock wool it's faster turnover. Yeah. You get more you get a larger number of harvests a year now so when you hear as the yields not the same the yield per harvest is is comparable it's the number of yields per year you can pull you can just force growth faster when you're shoving nutrients at it and and there's no shame in that you you know what i mean it's all in what you it's all in what your desired outcome is so to the home grower when you're using living soil you have you know uh, you'd you, you water less it's less maintenance more disease resistant it's easy you don't have to ph you don't have to do anything you don't have to get your pen out all you got to do is dechlorinate your water and then you get this fire organic product that you don't have to flush any any of that kind of stuff this is really easy start to finish deal and then the, the product you get is fire i mean it's so fire that we've gotten the accolades from high times magazine. And and I'll say this, I've never purchased an ad ever from high times. We won the cup. We've been in the magazine multiple times and we never gave them a dollar other than our entry fees. So it was, these weren't bought. This this was back. I don't know if it's a different, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's crooked. I'm just saying everybody says, oh, you can buy a cannabis cup. If you can buy a cannabis cup, I got one for free somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we did. We weren't purchasing anything. The people spoke, and we won a lot of regional awards because of the flavor. And that all has to do with just not forcing anything at the plant, letting the plant grow. It's you let the plant live its best life.
0: Yeah, I've noticed a big difference in the flavor and everything. The uh, <coughs> the break level is higher. That's the sugar level in the plant too. We were saying the sugars break down the nutrients, help it absorb. Uh, it just makes the plant sweeter and tastes better. Same with your fruits and vegetables too. If you're wanting to grow some tomatoes, you want to grow some herbs, you can use this soil also to enhance the flavor of your basil, anything else grows just as well. It's not just for cannabis. It is something you can use for everything. Hey, we're going to have to take another break here, go to a little commercial and then we'll come back and compare to what a super soil is, what uh, you can do with the seeds, I can germinate the seeds in your soil, but there's other soils out there that I can't germinate them in because they're too harsh and too strong, mm-hmm. and they're not the same. I want you to explain the difference between a super soil, a living soil, and then uh, I had a couple other things there. That I know people always want to add stuff. What can they use to amend your soil? We talked about the worm casting, which I think you have it labeled as vermicompost. Mm-hmm. It might confuse people. So if you see vermi compost, that is the same thing as the earthworm castings, but it's a little bit better than just raw castings, I believe. Maybe you can explain that and why they should look out for that. And then what are some signs with the living soil if you do overdo it? Uh you have a Epsom salt spray remedy in case something happens and what to look out for. I have a couple of people I consult now that are running the soil and they're running it hot or running LEDs. And there's a little bit difference with the learning curve with LEDs and the old HPS lights. Uh, we'll run over that just a little bit and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks Tommy. Okay. Sounds good. Would you like to grow your own cannabis at home? Are you able to now because it's legal in your state? Are you intimidated by the prices of seeds and worry if you can't even get the seeds to germinate? Are you worried it may be a waste of money and time to even try? This is how I felt when I first started growing for myself. Hundreds of dollars were spent and wasted because of my inexperience. Some of them got overwatered. Some of them were burnt by hot soil. Some didn't have the right environment and conditions to survive. If this is the case, and you are hesitating to purchase seeds, for a limited time, Little Farmer is offering 50 random seeds from his personal collection for only $50. That is 50 seeds for only $1 each. Normal prices for seeds start around $10, and some people charge even more than that. This is a great way to get a lot of seeds without having to spend a lot of money. This is a great chance for all those who are intimidated by the prices and don't have to worry about failing on their first attempt for germination. This is also a great opportunity to see what goes well in your environment. As we all know, some strains will grow better in different regions due to the climate, and you will be able to see what thrives in your area with the variety that you will receive. These packs are good for experienced growers as well as I have received nothing but great feedback thus far. Some strains included consist of blue dream, gelato, gelato cake, vanilla haze, head smack, green crack, purple headband, Granddaddy Purps, Han Solo Burger, Tangy, GG4, Dynachem, Night Nurse, Golden Goat, Cookies, GMO, and many more. To get your hands on these packs, you will need to head over to the Little Farmer website at www.littlefarmer.com, that is L-I-L-P-H-A-R-M-E-R.com, and put in an order. While there, you can browse other items available including the tree lock box to carry around all your consumption needs around in one handy lockable box. Included in the box is a pipe, a grinder, a container for your herb, a lighter, and two handy tools to help you prepare your herbs and your hash. My favorite thing about the box is the tray that you can use to break up your herb while preparing it for consumption. It is hard to spill and easy to clean up. I don't travel anywhere without mine. Finally, if you need any consulting for your home growing needs, please contact Little Farmer from his website's contact us page by leaving a message. We can help you with your lighting, growing mediums, and other growing questions because I not only sell seeds, but I help you grow them too. Make sure to take advantage of these seed prices while they last because they won't last long. And now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back with Tommy from Detroit Nutrient Company, and we're talking about his living soil and why living soil is superior to other forms of growing, Uh, not to knock anybody else to each their own, but this is just what we prefer because of the taste, the flavor, and the outcome uh, might take a little bit longer, and it's harder for people to to, uh, learn because they're so used to feeding them different nutrients, and what are some things you can suggest to people if they want to add amendments to your soil or if they want to add anything what can they add without overdoing it i know some microbes uh, there are a couple companies
1: that you like yeah you so um you can use you know you can use like uh on my on my website i have the recipes for actively organic or actively aerated compost teas and which just uses organic amendments like um You know, seabird and bat guano and some worm castings and uh, a little bit of molasses and some fish emulsions and and uh, and some um, alfalfa meal, and so you and then you bubble it for seventy two hours, and it makes a great um, compost tea that you would use like in bloom, and that's going to help add a little bit of yield and it's going to help add microbes to the soil to grow bigger plants, right? So.
0: Yeah, I've seen um, a couple of your tutorial videos where you actually show people firsthand how to yeah. do it.
1: Yeah, so the videos will show you how to do them. That's my number one. You know, that's what I would say is going to be your best additive. You can top dress with a little seabird guano around week four of uh, flower. Um, that'll add some frost to your plants. Um, you can you can use... Uh, like mammoth pea at half of the recommended soil dosage. So like never really more than 0.3 mils per gallon. Um, you can use, there's, you know, there's some other good teas on them, like pre-made teas that you mix up that you can use. You know, like the HTG stump tea is really popular. People use that with it. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff and we put our phone number on every bag and I, and I answer the phone when people call. So if there's something that you you know you can use fish shit with it, um, and if you're go, if you're going to use something, you you can call me and say, "Hey, Tommy, uh, you know, is this would this work well with the soil?" And I'll answer the question. The thing is, is if you do that, I'm going to ask you uh, what your desired result is because sometimes people just want to add stuff because they got free free samples or something. You know and they're like oh, i want to use this i'm like well, oh, it's, it's not going to do what you wanted to do so or you could i guess use it but maybe you don't and so um so i mean ultimately i feel like the soil works really well front to back water only um and if you want to add some teas that would be my recommendation you know ultimately and then there are some other products you can use if you want you know like i said a little mammoth pea or real growers recharge if you want to push yield a little bit but don't overdo it. A little ketchup is good. A lot is the better. Never more than half the recommended dosage. What and, is? Uh,
0: what are some signs of over over
1: feeding? Um, the first thing you'll notice on the leaves, it'll turn purple and lock you out. Purple. Yeah, like if you go overboard, we did it one time with um, with mammoth microbes and uh, dark green. Tars to turn yeah. purple leaves. It turns like that dark green purple, yeah, and then upstate New out. York tree color. Yep, yep, and uh, and and you'll see if you're overwatering, like it's like not even using additives. If you're over, if you see yellow blotches on your leaf surface, that's a sign of overwatering. Like I said, compost is moisture retentive. The molecules of moisture are the compost has like a like almost like a natural silicone which adheres to the compost the, the molecules of moisture and so it holds water deep and so if you overwater, you never really want to water living soil more, more than seven percent of your soil volume about every three days so because you're not pouring your nutrients across the plant roots it, it holds the water longer and so the 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 work, like the biggest mistake made in living soil is overwatering. And so you'll see like yellow blotches on on green leaves, and uh, that's how you can tell you have an anaerobic pocket in your root zone. And you know plants need oxygen to trans to to move that those nutrients. And so um, when it gets too wet, you get a set of wet feet, you know root rot, whatever. Um, it's just an anaerobic root zone. And uh, and so don't overwater. That's something to look for. Um, also, and- the,
0: the conundrum with the uh, living soil, it is hydrophobic, which means mm-hmm. it doesn't like water. So when you first water it, it it puddles up on the top or it kind of runs through to the bottom really quick. Yeah, uh, this is something that catches people off guard. Uh, I've heard you talk about creating a little bowl so the water can sit there and slowly seep in. Um, I know if you use a cloth pot, it can run out the sides of the cloth pot because of the hydrophobia. Um, mm-hmm. That's just something to look out for.
1: So uh, it's, just, it's organic peat. Peat in its organic form is hydrophobic. So like when you see like ProMix, this is peat moss, but they put a uh, they put a synthetic wetting agent in. So we want to keep it organic and organic wetting agents like uh, yucca and stuff like that, they're really expensive. So the price of the soil would be through the roof. And so we, we just kept it simple and, and, you know, you can add, if you're not super insanely organic, you can add a couple of drops of Dawn dish. soap. it'll help break that to the water. It'll help break the hydrophobia. Um, I, I like to, like I said, build a little bowl. I disrupt the surface, the static charge on the surface of the soil with my fingertips. And then I water, you know, if in a seven gallon pot, you're going to water two quarts every third day. So I water a half a quart. To every plant and then once it starts to take the water then i go back through and you can more quickly you just have to let it absorb in a little bit and uh and it's that is just organic peat and and so if you let it drain down into the saucer at the bottom after you've watered a couple times it's going to wick it back up anyways um so just water slowly is really the best defense against that or you could or you could add yucca or, or or something like that to your water you use a uh, hydropods with these also that automatically
0: waters them when it gets to a certain moisture level level. Sometimes yeah, so also, I use right? I use
1: autopods in micro and so <laughs> autopods is a wick watering system, you know, it keeps it some water in the dish at the bottom and it takes what it needs throughout the plants and like, um. I know you
0: have more experience with auto flowers than I do. We we talked about that a little bit. I don't have much experience at all. I do have somebody I'm consulting using your soil, and he's running auto flowers. Uh, is there any difference in using auto flower?
1: Or use a smaller pot. Smaller for auto. Yeah, you can use a three-gallon pot for an auto flower. Okay. You know, if you're going to do a four-week veg on a photo, you want to use a five-gallon pot. I recommend about a gallon a week of veg not a week of total plant life per week of veg so if you're going to do a four-week veg that we say the five-gallon pot If you're going to do an eight-week veg we say the seven-gallon pot if you're going to do a 12-week veg we say about a 10-gallon pot you know and uh then you only water at seven percent of that soil value but for autos you can get away with autos you can get away with three-gallon pots all day long
0: yeah so uh i always tell people just getting the uh- Getting the uh, routine of picking up the pot a little bit, if they're hand watering or if they're using any other system to just pick it up and see how heavy mm-hmm. it is, and over time they'll they'll figure out the yeah, correct weight by by feel and just keep doing that. And um, you also had a remedy or some kind of recommendation
1: with Epsom salt and an Epsom salt <laughs> spray. And what does that yeah, help so- with? so epsom salt epsom salt is not actually salt epsom salt comes from the epsom mines in the uk and they just call it epsom salt and it's it's uh basically um magnesium and sulfur right and so when plants are up taking nutrients there's a three-way fight for uh, um potassium calcium and magnesium and In that three-way competition, magnesium is the most apt to lose. So you already, plants have a hard time taking up magnesium to begin with. So you can have a pot full of magnesium. Yeah, You can have enough magnesium in your soil. But in that competition, the magnesium is suffering, is working its hardest to get there. So now, um, if you want to really add flavor and smell to your plants to your finished product i recommend and and also it helps offset kind of some of the problems that led lights cause people so but i'll explain how it just in general adds so sulfur is what creates the flavor and the smell of your flower magnesium helps assist the plant to break down the sulfur So we have a, um, I recommend you do a foliar spray. You only do it a couple of times in the plant's life. You do it every, about every three to four weeks before flowers form. So depending on how long you veg, you know, it's usually only twice, right? You do it once when you're about five nodes high, and then you do it once at flip, and that's, and you should be good to go but it's a magnesium, it's it's an Epsom salt foliar spray. So Epsom salt is magnesium and sulfur. You take two tablespoons of Epsom salt. Shit, this is the the call I gotta take. Okay, man.
0: All right, everyone, we're back after a little break here. Tommy had to answer the phone. He's a man of his word. He always answers the phone if you reach out to him. Um, We were talking about your foliar spray recipe with Epsom salt and you're about to mention how many tablespoons per gallon, and then the reason why you get deficiencies
1: with LED lights in certain soil bases. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, as I was saying, so um, the Epsom salt foliar spray is gonna add smell and flavor to your flower because you're, you're adding the sulfur and the magnesium that it takes to break down the sulfur. And as that sulfur breaks down, That's where your smell and flavor comes from. So also under an LED light, um, you have the same amount of light with a lower leaf surface temperature. And because of that, you have lower plant precipitation. So if you're running LEDs, A, you want to run your temperatures a little warmer. And B, if you use that Epsom salt foliar spray, like I said earlier in that, uh, competition for uptake. Magnesium is what generally loses. If you do that foliar spray, as opposed to a drench, that's not that the soil is deficient on magnesium. It's that the plant's not uptaking, able to uptake it. So if you do that foliar spray, you're adding the the magnesium to the plant right where it needs. it. So that offsets that, that, uh, leaf surface temperature problem for the, you know, the plant to mobilize the nutrients. You're offsetting that by putting the magnesium right where the plant needs it, where the flowers are going to form when you do those foliar sprays. So, and the, the the recipe for it is really, really simple. Two tablespoons Epsom salt to a gallon of water. I usually put the water in a little warm and it helps dissolve the Epsom salt faster, it seems like. And then I let it fall back to room temperature before I apply it and like any foliar spray you do you want to make sure you do it right before lights off because when you do a foliar spray you're making you know little magnifying glasses on your leaf surface temperatures you could burn your leaf surface so um 2 tablespoons of epsom salt to a gallon of water dissolve it room cer- room temperature foliar spray right before lights off and that's going to help offset that kind of magnesium deficiency, those purple stems that you'll see uh, under LED lights. Gotcha. And uh, you also
0: mentioned no chlorine in the water. And that's pretty important with the living soils because it'll
1: kill the microbes. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't. You should be dechlorinating your. You should be dechlorinating your water, no matter what kind of soil you're using, and every time you water, you should be dechlorinating. So
0: uh, the other question that I remember you speaking about, I wanted to ask you, was that some city water is chlorine and you can let it sit for a little bit and it dissipates. You have some other cities that use a different chlorine mixture of something. I can't chloramine. remember. That. Chloramine. okay. And the chloramine, no matter how long you let it sit, it will stay in the water. doesn't dissolve, yeah. So if you have this type of water and you think it's chlorine, you're letting it sit out. Make sure you get your city
1: uh, water source information to see can what they You Google unit. your county generally and ask the question, does whatever county you live in use chlorine or chloramine? And you can generally find that information with a quick Google search. So,
0: yeah, that's good information. A lot of people yeah. didn't know about it. I didn't know about that until I heard you uh, talking into uh, Or you you just nursery run in Winchester.
1: Yeah, uh, you grab one of those cheap filters from the hydro store. And they pull out just chlorine and you know rso filters or whatever yeah i mean you can get the cheap filters or you could get an rso system
0: cool um thanks for that information other than that uh we we're talking about super soil some people get super soil and living soil confused uh super soil is just packed with nutrients and it's not the microbial life is what i'm understanding I've tried to germinate some seeds in my beginning days in some super soil, and it burned the roots. It's not salt enough for the germination or seeds. <clears throat> when you transplant them, could you explain the difference? Is it just a microbial difference
1: in the soil? It, so a super soil is just an amended soil where they just put compost and amendments in. There, there isn't. It's not balanced like a living soil so it doesn't have the it doesn't have the CEC value there's it's the, it doesn't have the correct amount of compost to amendments it is actually just loaded up to get you through bloom it's more what super soil is like the, the the super soil that everybody is familiar with is really Subcools recipe which has epsom salt in it and worm castings and you know and and you're basically building a nutrient charge to feed the plant through bloom but it's not able it's not it, it, it doesn't have the compost ratio balanced out to where it can support the life of the plant does that make sense yeah you're putting you're putting heat in and it's more for a mature plant it, you can't germinate seeds in it like you can in living soil so it's just it's it's hotter and it's not built it's built to go X amount of time during bloom. It's not built. It's not a living soil where it's balanced. And so, and that's where like, and to be honest with you, the original recipe for the soil, I, you know, we just went by what some dudes told us, like, I I didn't, I didn't know how it worked or, or anything like that. And like, so I went with the outline of what I'd heard and, um, And then, like I said, you read a couple of books and you start to understand more about it. And then really, I mean, I work with some really, really sharp agronomists. They've been in the field doing this thing for since uh, 82. I worked with them to create this soil that I could guarantee was going to grow healthy plants. And, and, you know, it was important to us that everybody was safe and healthy and it was easy to use. And so, I mean, the original incarnation of the soil was, was based around just, you know, knowledge. And then, and then I worked with a lot of professionals to get really the balance in the soil. So that you can get, like, I think it's called kiss is, is one of those where you put it at the bottom of the pot and then you have to put a seed starter on top. That's a super soil we sell a start to finish living soil yeah it's uh
0: something i germinate my seeds in i was totally impressed first time uh it, it was uh like you said i didn't really have to amend at all i used it the second around and i started amending after that <coughs> excuse me i had a question with the uh, auto flower. And your recommendation for the three gallon pot. I have a friend who did the seven gallon pot, and his plants are really short and he thought they were stunted. Is that something that would create shorter, fatter autoflower plants, or is that
1: more of a genetic thing you would think? That would be a genetic thing. Yeah. The, the super soil, I mean, people slay it with autos in super soil. So, and I think, like, I, I you know, I'm an old school guy. So, I'm one of those guys that's like, I don't trust the genetics on autoflowers to begin with. You know, just like I don't trust the genetics on um, feminized seeds as much. I know I the like, trick is up north, though, to get a couple more rounds in in the, uh, in the
0: year because up north it's a little shorter season, colder.
1: Yeah. Auto no, flowers. I'm all for it. Like, don't get me wrong, <coughs> I'm not against it. I just don't trust the genetics to be as stable. I'm not, but I, you know, whatever. That's an old, but, I'm not saying that like i'm not bashing you know don't blow up my email i'm not bashing on auto flowers i'm saying i'm an old head and it's the stability i just don't think auto flowers are as stable and because i see a lot of variation genetic variations on auto flowers i mean you're paying 10 bucks for a seed, right What's, yeah i uh you,
0: you, i agree you know, with you i uh don't knock anybody who does i don't knock anybody who tries to grow no matter how they're going yeah, I I mean I think
1: it's for, Yeah, I th- and I know guys that slay it, they love doing it. A lot of hobbyists, it's a great way. You don't have to worry about light timers and all that other stuff. You know, it makes it takes a lot of the guesswork out, but uh but I just think that that I just don't think there's the stability in the genetics for the pheno characteristics. So sometimes you get those short stubby ones or you know I think that you get it. I mean, I see it in Fox Farm and I see it in e- 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 ProMix with, you know, Salt Bay Zoom. It happens.
0: Yep. Well, cool. Well, thanks for all the information today, Tommy. I know you're a busy man. Uh, it was a little hard trying to get us all lined up with the Zoom uh, and the technology.
1: Yeah. I had yeah. a bunch of apps. <laughs> it's, I got a new excuse me. I just recently got a new laptop. so. I haven't used Zoom on this laptop since I got it. And I just like, you know, you don't put that together. When we were starting to, when I was trying to connect with you, It was like, oh, geez, now I got to download the app and do all the stuff. So I don't have yeah, a, it was a hectic day, but uh, but we got it in.
0: I don't have a Zoom account, pay account. So it's only 45 minute time limits on these. So I, by the time we get connected and do the talk and get it set up, I have to do like three parts to get, to get it all in. And I go back and edit it all myself and get it all ready that way. But, uh, your advice was great today for those people out there drinking and, uh, looking for a change, uh, seek some help, talk to somebody. Um, I know, and you know that most people who consume a lot of alcohol aren't honest with their doctors either about their consumption
1: or worse. They just don't go to their doctors
0: that too and uh it's something that you should really talk to them especially if they're going to give you and prescribe you medication for depression if you're depressed and one of your main culprits is probably in the bottle that you're holding most of the time and then you start mixing them and your doctor doesn't know it's not a good mix no and one of the big things too is just My advice is change the people you're hanging out with and you really can't hang out with the people you used to party with and expect them to be on the same level you are and have them not offer you a drink every two minutes.
1: (laughs) Well, that's, I think for many people and especially, you know, people in small towns where the majority drink, like, you know, we're here in Michigan, I'm not in the mountains, but up here in Michigan in Northern Michigan, you know, you have a lot of smaller, small towns that you know it's cold in the wintertime and drinking becomes a pastime it's generational and a lot of times like my case I come from a family of drinkers and so it's it has to be something you want to do for yourself. It honestly does and and, and I would hope I could tell you that if you do it you you won't regret it but it takes a while to come to that realization.
0: Yeah when it does it, it hits hard. And uh I the same way grandfather, uncle, uncles family just drinking a lot liver problems. uh, And I just didn't want to go that way. And I've seen many, many bad issues and bad problems just stemming from alcohol use and just wanted to avoid it. And Mm -hmm. thanks for sharing your story with everybody today. I know it wasn't easy. And uh, some people need to hear that out there. And uh, that's what I'm trying to get out and normalize the herb. It could be something to people that can, they can fall back on, but it's not a miracle drug, like you said. So it's not going to help with everybody. The best help is talking to somebody and seeking help from friends and family instead of uh, turning
1: them away. Yeah. I, I honestly, get eight hours of sleep, get some physical, get off of the sofa, go, go outside, you know, better, healthier some, diet. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Steer away from all the sugar. Remember, caffeine and sugar is drugs as well and they have an effect on your body, you should be drinking at least 64 ounces of water a day at minimum, you know, and you, you, those things, everybody laughs that off, but that is, that will cheer you up. That'll make you feel better. Get some exercise. It'll make you feel better. Get a, get eight hours of sleep. That'll make you feel better. And if all of that, what, you know, if all that doesn't, do some meditation, sit with yourself in a quiet room for a while, and then If you need to get some stuff off your chest, like there's no point in carrying that load any longer than you have to all by yourself. I carried a lot of weight all alone for a long time, man. And it was, it was killing me. And I would encourage anybody that's doing that. Like, don't do it to yourself. I mean, it's hard when you're in the throes of addiction to hear that, but it's worth it. Yes, sir. Some people need to hear
0: the the truth, man. Um, Your products are available in Virginia uh oklahoma you're here in colorado michigan for sure uh your yeah, website they, your website has a a spot where you can locate just put in your zip code and a radius it'll tell you the look lo- local store that has your products um yeah. you can order it online also amazon prime They're i know here Here in Colorado, I haven't seen it on the shelves. I've been trying to help you get on the shelves. Uh, The market here is pretty fixed. The companies on the shelves are pretty fixed here. People don't want to change their ways, but if somebody here in Colorado on a commercial level or on a small scale wants to get some of your soil, I can get it for them here. All they have to do is reach out to me. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll get some to them somehow. And um, anything else you would like to say to the listeners out there today?
1: Hey man, thanks for popping in and listening to our portion of the internet. And, uh, you know, we, we, we do stand behind our product and we appreciate everybody that uses it. And, uh, we put our phone number on every bag. So if you have questions or problems, you can give me a call and we got a lot of information on our website. So, uh, check it out, www.detroitnutrientcompany.com and, uh, keep on growing, man. I love it. It's changed my life. I hope, uh, brings everybody else as much joy growing plants as it brings me and, Thanks Mike for
0: having me on. No problem. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy day and schedule to, uh, tell your story today, Tommy. You got it brother. Cool, man. All right. And, uh, hopefully we'll be able to link up this spring in Virginia. And I know you're busy touring around Virginia and all these states mm-hmm. that you have your products. So if you see Tommy out there, stop by and say hello. Pop in. To talk. We to always him.
1: have some fun stuff to talk about. We always have a good
0: time. We were down at um, was that Horton's nursery in Virginia? this yep. last spring uh great people winchester virginia so if you're down that area northern virginia you want to get some dirt that's your that's your spot go check mm-hmm. them out hopefully we can get down there in the next spring and set up again and
1: give another class yeah yeah and we're i'll tell you we have a great following in virginia and you know up if you're up by winchester go over to horton's you know virginia uh, uh richmond and Glen allen there's htg supply and uh Grow Depot. And yeah. And then uh, HydroCulture in Fredericksburg and Manassas and uh, uh, down in Virginia Beach, we're at Grow VA. And uh, oh, to Grow all my Depot. friends in
0: Maryland, D.C. area too. Uh, yeah. We'll be yeah, coming we that got. way. Hopefully, we'll get the tour of that area too. I got yeah. some family in that area. So,
1: you're yeah, really we're well, welcome to come and to hang you. out. and Let's go up to D.C. and have
0: a, a party up in D.C. Yeah, shout outs to the mayor of D.C. for actually changing the laws there and changing up the game. It was hard yes. for some uh, sales there for the medical dispensaries, and he just made it easier for sit residents and out of state to sign up right. for their own medical card and say at all usage is medical yep. on their own terms without a doctor mm-hmm. backing it up. So, hey, if you live in the area, there's your place to get some medical cannabis. They, I know that's um, happening. Everybody in the eastern part of the panhandle, of West Virginia going to uh DC or Virginia.
1: Do you know why that happened? That, that is a
0: whole nother whole nother podcast. Yep.
1: Let's have one on that. Give me give me a call sometime. Let's talk about that.
0: Most definitely we could talk about the difference of rural and city prices and how yes. the rural area area can actually uh grow the best cannabis, but it's it's you can't take my guns away idea that and they're still in that reefer madness and i'm Mm -hmm. trying to spread the knowledge so that reefer madness can get changed back to reefer facts
1: right yeah yeah you you know it's it takes a while for the word to travel i'll tell you i live in a really rural area in michigan which is you know pretty right leaning um and they you know god guns and country kind of stuff and they are the hippest about marijuana laws that you could believe. Everybody was a grower there for you know 30 years and there was there's already a dispensary there and and like you know nobody ever says anything a foul. Everybody all of my neighbors have outdoor you know big outdoor grows in the woods and have since long before it was legal. It's they're pretty they're pretty hip up there, man.
0: Well, it was uh, pretty shunned upon in the 90s growing up during the drug war. When I grew up, there was a local cop kind of run everybody out of my little hometown, which is pretty much the same. But the local sentiment, what I get is a lot of people want to legalize it and grow it. And they're waiting and waiting, but they're still afraid to talk about it. They're afraid to yeah. lose their jobs. They're afraid to comment on a Facebook post. They're afraid to, to even mention it. But when you catch them alone, they want to talk about it. And that's all they want to learn about. <clears throat> so... Best way to get it out is this podcast. It's on 13 different platforms. It's out there uh, internationally. So we're getting out there. We're getting the good right. word out. And uh, we'll talk about those prices and uh, the uh, taxes and everything, gouging, people trying to jacking up the prices of rent in certain areas to keep, keep it impossible for a little guy to make a profit or to even get into the game to start with uh yep. taxes from 25 to 75 percent driving a price up higher than black market uh, enabling the black market to thrive or people just to go to another state mm-hmm. so cool that's the next episode also legalization of mushrooms here in colorado and
1: yeah your yeah take, we gotta do your that. take on the psilocybin we're gonna do one on the legal the legality of uh the different states, yes, we're going to do how it affects the pricing, the mindset different areas, where it's still black market yep. and then we'll then we'll get into my favorite subject, mushrooms let's do, so we'll have to do a a Tommy part two yes, most definitely, so guys stay tuned for that, appreciate you Tommy
0: love you, and we will talk soon, love you brother, be thanks good thanks for Thank everybody you, tuning in man, appreciate you alright, cheers guys <music>
1: Our man's not a drug dealer, we call him Dr. Herb for the healing, meditation, and good vibration, for food, fuel, fiber, and a little bit of fun. See, the joint ain't necessarily the point, but I want one.